0: 1 John chapter number 5 1 John chapter number 5 Annette did that sign up sheet already get to you back there That's because no one signed up Here let me have that back So What I will do is I will pass this around Again on Sunday Because some of you You just need time to think If you can do it So it, One of the things As a church family You need to get to know Other church families It's a good thing And this is a great way to do it. And some of you are like, I don't want to get to know anybody. I I hope that's not your attitude. Because when, uh, well, I guess you have family members you don't want to be close to, right? I guess so. I guess it could be the same way in a church a little bit. But I would encourage you. It's a good thing to do. And so we'll pass that back around on Sunday. And hopefully it will be a little bit better than that. You know it's not good when a sign-up sheet goes that fast. Like Sunday morning, the church christmas party we got a ton of people signed up and i'm i'm shocked it's like halfway through the second page on here which is really wait where's that one it's really good and I, you could tell on sunday it took a while to go through the different in both services and someone sat down for a while in the first service but yeah it's a page and a half which is really good for the church christmas party let's start passing out a sign up sheet for prayer times too and see if we can get that filled up too so first john chapter number 5 verse number 11 first john 5 Verse number 11, the Bible says, This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He, has, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Could there be a more simpler verse in the Bible to understand than that verse right there? Now, sometimes, you know, we talk about those ones where um, he goes down and preaches to those in captivity, That's a loaded verse. This one's not. Verse number 12. Just look at that verse again. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And you know, you might be able to question, well, what Son? Then the second part of the verse says the Son of God. It makes sense to you. And then we look at verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And uh, one of the reasons the Bible was written for us was so we could know that we have eternal life. We look at 1 John. Why was 1 John written? So that you can know that you have eternal life. Sadly, there are many people that call themselves Christians who don't have the assurance of their salvation. And I love singing a song like we did on Sunday, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a feast of glory divine. There are a lot of people that aren't sure about that. Now, I believe, and I don't know how deep I'll get into it tonight, but I think that some people just haven't been taught right. And I think they're saved. When you trust Jesus Christ and you put your faith and trust in Him, you are saved. Now, if you are saved based on... Your works, then no, you're not saved. But that's where sometimes people get caught up on this thing. Well, what do I have to do to keep myself saved? There's the problem. You can't keep yourself doing anything. The only, you know what you can do with yourself? You can get yourself in trouble. And you can keep getting yourself into trouble. But if you are depending on yourself to keep yourself saved, then boy, that's going to be a hard life. As we look tonight, and we'll go through a lot of different things, you really have Christians split up in two groups when it comes to eternal security. You have the Calvinistic side of it, and you have the Arminian side of it. And the Arminian side of it, and I would say there's a lot of Pentecostals down this road, that they have to do something in order to be saved. They have to keep themselves saved. And when you have to keep yourself saved, and you got to understand, that's not, you can't live up to it. I remember, and I've given this example before, after I started pastoring here, I was told that I ran our church prison ministry, and I didn't even know it at first. And after a while, I learned that I ran our church prison ministry. And it was nice to know that I did, even though I didn't know anything about it, which was fine. But then I'm like, okay, so then who goes into the prison under our name? And so I'm like, I want to meet with everybody that uses our name to go into the prison. And they were not very happy. They're like, you didn't start the ministry. Well, somehow I got put in charge of it. If I'm in charge of it, I need to know what you're doing, what you teach when you go into the prison. And so a big church in our city here in Chino that we sometimes our name gets confused with their name. I don't know why it ever would. But, you know, the name Victory, it's uh, anyways. But we'll leave that there and won't go any deeper. But we sat down. I told them that they could no longer go in under our church's name anymore because of this area. And they're like, the prisoners need to know that unless they turn their lives around they're not going to stay saved. And I'm like "Um, excuse me? And we went down a long conversation down that road, but the sad thing is there are many Christians, or so-called Christians, that think that their eternal. Security depends on what they do and how they live. Now, it would be nice to preach that to people because it might get people to do more for the Lord, right? If you don't give, God's not going to let you get to heaven. If you don't serve God, this is, but that's not the truth. You're not kept tonight because of anything and you being special. You are kept tonight because Jesus Christ is special and God honors his promises. I've talked about this before, but I did a little bit in a message on salvation a while back. Tonight's going to be my last night really doing big words around salvation. Don't worry. There are a lot of Bible words. I really don't know how this series is going to go. It's probably going to go on. I might be an old man by the time it's over with, and some of you are thinking that won't be very long. Yeah, anyways. But um, next week we're going to look at things around Christmas. We're going to look around the virgin birth and things around that area and why the virgin birth is important. And why many cast doubt on the virgin birth. But it's because the virgin birth is so important, you also can't exalt Mary too high either like some people do. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. But tonight I want to talk about eternal security. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have. I pray you guide us and help us meet with us tonight. We love you. We need you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. You and I are saved tonight and forever because of what Christ has done for us and in us, and that alone. Take several minutes and go through several things, show you lots of verses. Number one, as we dive into our notes, I want to give you some Bible reasons for the eternal security of the believer, what the Bible has to say. Towards the end of the message tonight, I'm going to also attack a few of the problem passages, or so-called, that they say backs up the idea of having to earn your salvation. We'll look at those in just a little bit tonight. As we look at this, we want, I want you to see letter A tonight. That's, we're secure tonight because of the nature of God, because of who God is. So what do you mean by that? Well, it begins, number one, with God's omniscience. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 29, "...for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren." Ephesians 1, verse number 4 tells us, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So you look at those two verses right there. If God foreknew who would be saved, how is it possible to lose that? You can't. And so think of God's omniscience. Number two, we think of his omnipotence. He's all-powerful tonight. When we think about how powerful God is, we think about the fact that He's the one who keeps us saved. Look what the Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Do you see... He's able to keep. Do you see that right there? Look at what the Bible says in Jude, chapter 24. No, chapter, verse 24. There's only one chapter there. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Do you see he's able to keep you from falling? This is what Christ is talking about. Bible tells us in Philippians 1, verse number 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, what he starts, he finishes. Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, verse number 5, that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Bible tells us in Hebrews 7, verse 25, wherefore he is able also to save them To the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Tonight, one of the reasons that we are saved and why we're secure is because of God's nature. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's all-powerful tonight. Number three, he's righteous. He's righteousness. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8, verse number one, it says, Therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, why is there going to be no judgment on my... Now, this is the thing. We're all going to stand before God someday. The saved are going to stand before God, and someday the unsaved are going to stand before God. Two different judgments. You have the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. I don't want to be a part of the great white throne judgment. I want to be a part of the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give an account for what we've done in this life, and our works are going to be tried by fire. The Bible talks about that and what foundation we've laid, and what we've done with what the Lord's given to us. But when I get there, I'm not going to be judged on my sin. Because of the righteousness of Christ, it is on my account. When God looks at Brian Patterson's account tonight, he sees Jesus Christ's righteousness. He does not see Brian's sin. And there's a lot of it there, and I'm glad he doesn't see that. I'm glad he sees the righteousness of Christ. Once sin has been judged and paid for, you got to understand, Jesus paid it. He talked about this on Sunday morning. The reason why I'm not being judged for my sins when I get to heaven someday is not because there's anything special about me. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He paid the price. And those that end up someday in hell and that are there now are in hell because they chose to try and pay for it themselves. And they're going to spend all eternity trying to pay for it and trying to pay for it, and they will never pay their penalty. Because Jesus is the only one that could do it. You see number four, we see because of God's love. God's love. And in God's love, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3, verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. Bible tells us these are great verses here. John chapter 6, verse 37. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him by God, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing, but should rise it up, raise it up again at the last day. You see the fact that once he's got it, He's not gonna let it go. He loses none. You don't one day get into the Father, you don't one day get into the Father's hand or get set in, in Christ Jesus. And oh, where did you go? Oh, you sinned, so you got away from me. It doesn't work that way. He loses nothing. We're kept by him. We see that we're secure because of the nature of God. We see let her be tonight that we're secure because of the nature of salvation. When we think about salvation, there are several things I want you think about salvation here tonight. We see number one, with salvation is a birth. Do you realize that? You're all, you were all born in this room, right? Can you be unborn tonight? You can't, right? So, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. And the day that we get saved, the day we come to God, again, the Bible tells us, John 3, verse 5 and 6, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So you cannot be unborn once you've been born. Anybody want to argue that one? You can't argue it. Salvation's a gift. Salvation's not a loan to be paid back. It's a gift. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? A gift is something the receiver does nothing to earn it. A gift is not a gift if it can be taken back. I've already got, I think I've got Christmas done in my house. Already done. I'm just waiting on a few packages to come in the mail. I just didn't give him anything this year. It's already done. Isn't that, that's a great way to do it. And so, but what if I got Matthew something he really wanted? He put on his list, he put on the list he made for Santa, I think he put two things on there. put something like, and this is, this is a good kid right here, a Padres baseball hat and a Charger beanie. Man, somebody's training that kid Right. So let's just say that Santa brings him those and then he's bad and then Santa takes them away. That's not a gift. I don't give you something expecting something in return or to be able to keep back. It's given to you. Now there are people out there that do give things and expect it to be given back. Or they, you aren't taking care, I'll, I want that. No, if you... If you give something to someone, you've given it. It's a gift. Take your paws off of it and just relax. Don't give it away then if you don't want that. I had someone come to me a while back in church. It's been a few years, so I can give stories like this. Like, Pastor, I gave so-and-so this, and then they sold it. You gave it to them? Once you give it to someone, they can do as they please with it. When I was in, I guess they thought California gave me. They gave me an old pickup truck. It was a good little truck. Did me good while I was there. When we were getting ready to move, I didn't think it could make it all the way down here. And so I went up to them, and I'm like, I'm thinking about, I'm. If you want, you can have it back, or I'm probably going to sell it to get a different vehicle. Like I gave it to you. It's yours to do whatever you want to with it. That's what a gift is, right? If if it's not if if salvation's a gift, then you got it's not a loan. You're not paying it back. It's a gift. The Bible tells us Ephesians two, eight and nine, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans six twenty-three for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is a gift given to us from God. N- number 3. Salvation is a satisfaction. Do you realize that? What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? John 4:14. 4, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be um, the water shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life and salvation it satisfies you take of salvation from the lord you're never going to thirst again now we could say maybe you went a little crazy on the snack tonight and you're like oh i'm so full i'll never eat again no that's not true later on tonight you'll be going to the refrigerator getting something out of the refrigerator or morning you will eat again or oh i drank so much i just can't drink any more water or milk or whatever soda not other things i just can't drink anything else and later on you'll be drinking something else because it never satisfies completely you come to jesus christ for salvation you will never thirst again and what does it say let's bring up a well of water into everlasting life Bible tells us in John six thirty five and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. There is satisfaction found in Jesus Christ. Number four about salvation. Salvation brings both eternal and everlasting life what the Bible says, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word eternal means no beginning and no ending. Everlasting means no ending. You think about this, the Christian, we possess both in Christ. Do you think about that tonight? The believer in Christ has everlasting life. And you think about the fact that Christ is in the believer And what a blessing it is that we have everlasting life and eternal life. Praise God for that. Next, number five, salvation is a present possession. It is ours now. It's not something you're waiting for down the road. It's yours. You are saved now. Aren't you grateful for that? I'm grateful for that. Praise God for that tonight. The Bible tells us in John three sixteen, where I said, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us this in John five twenty four, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Praise God for that. John 10, verse number 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This is not something you receive after you die. It is given to you at the moment of salvation. It's a present possession. Next. Number six. Salvation is the total work of grace needed for glory. Say, so what do you mean by that? you got to understand something. That We are We're all a work in progress aren't you tonight? We're all a work in progress If you think you've arrived You have pride in your life And you've got a lot of work still to go We all have a lot of work to go But we need to understand That as we think about this thing The Bible tells us in Colossians 2 verse number 10 That we are complete In him Do you realize that tonight? We are complete in him it's a total work of God's grace God's unmerited favor God blessing and doing things that we don't deserve and going above and beyond and we have that tonight we are complete in him and then number seven salvation places us positionally in heaven already do you realize that we are already in heavenly places say um no 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 I'm right here tonight yes you are right here tonight I hope you realize you're here. And uh, if you don't realize you're here, we'll just leave that there and not go any further. But look what the Bible says, Ephesians 2, verse 6. Even when we are dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace your are saved, and hath raised us up together, now look at this, and made us sit. This is present, together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say, so, um, but pastor, I'm right here tonight. I know. But that verse says we're already seated in heavenly places. And we're not in heaven right now. If you think this is heaven, you You got some more problems. Bible tells us in Colossians 3, verse number 3, it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I think that verse kind of hints around just like the last one did there. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and our life is hid with Christ in God. Think about that. Let our seed tonight we're secure because of the sure promises of God. The promises that are found in the Word of God. When we think about this, we think about number one, the fact that the Bible clearly states that we're preserved. Bible tells us in Jude, verse number one, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Do you see that? Sanctified by God the Father. Set apart. Sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Doesn't get any better than that. Bible tells us in Psalm thirty-one, verse twenty-three: o love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful, and plentifully rewardeth the, prou- and, and plentiful, the proud doer." See the fact he preserveth the faithful. You say, "Well, you have to work." T- no, 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 no. We are in Him. And you got to remember, that's an Old Testament verse right there. i give you a little bit more thoughts there, but we'll keep going. The Bible clearly states we're preserved. Number two, the Bible says that we're sealed. When I was in Bible college, well, actually, no, when I first started, well, in Bible college I did, but when I first started pastoring here, I worked at Central Freight over by the 60 and the 15 interchange over there. And I remember my very last day working as I'm getting ready to leave, cops are walking in at the same time. Now, you know, the first thought in my mind is, I could just walk out, and I don't even know what happened, but you're like, just peeking around to see what happened, because we had to all go through metal detectors and things, so it was going to be safe and everything would be alright, so, so I wasn't worried that someone there had something that they brought in. Well, we go over there, uh, well, I listen in, and I, the man there, I knew him real well, and we talked after the fact but the night shift, one of the, uh, one of the guys that was the lead for the night shift, the outbound, the inbound, was doing this little thing where he was breaking the seals on the truck and stealing a bunch of electronic equipment with several workers. And what they would do is they would go back on the record and change the seal number to match the new seal that they put on the truck. Because the way it works is when you, when I would load a truck, when the truck was finished, I would take a seal and I would seal the truck. And then my boss would come over and look that that seal matched the number that was on the paperwork that was given to the driver when they left. And it had to match. And then when the spotter helped them hook up and pull out their trailer, they checked that seal one more time. It's supposed to stay sealed until it got to the location. And then once they opened that up at the location, they had to make sure the seal was the same. So if I was doing inbound stuff, I had to do it that way. Or outbound, same thing. I had to make sure the seals match. Seal match, that meant the truck had been sealed, right? And that meant the freight was there. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ, the fact that we're sealed, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, "...in whom ye have trusted..." That after ye he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And uh, you think about Old Testament. Think about David. Remember how David had... Um oh, man. Bathsheba's husband, Uriah? Was it Uriah? Uriah. I've, and so he, remember he took a letter out? To his own letter? His own death letter? It was sealed by the, he couldn't look at it. He was carrying his own death letter. Think about that one. What a great guy David was. And David was a good man, but that was not a good time, I'm, I'm, yeah, that was not a good time in David's life. But... The Lord has sealed us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You're sealed tonight. Till the day of redemption. The sealing is divinest by the Holy Spirit of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit's... Let's, how do I want word this? The presence of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life is a personal guarantee of heaven. How do you know you're a child of God? Because the Spirit working in your life. That's one of the ways that we know tonight that the Spirit's there and working in our lives. And the Bible says that the sealing is until the day of redemption, not until the day of backsliding. Or the day you fall aside, right? You're sealed until the day of redemption. You're signed, sealed, and delivered. Think about that way right there. You're signed in the blood of the covenant. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise and delivered, yet future, the redemption of the body with the Lord. Signed, sealed, and delivered. We think about next, number three, that the Bible says no one can take us from God. You know the Bible says that? John 10 verse number 28 and 29 and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand Do you know we could really take the breakdown of that word Satan can't get you out of the out of God's hand No one can you can't get yourself out of God's hand no one can get you out of the grip of God's hand. When we think about that, that leads to point number four, the fact that the Bible says nothing can separate us from God's love. I was getting ready, I, I was doing a funeral a while back, a memorial service, and someone came up to me and they were talking about a family member of theirs that committed suicide. And they're like, I just hate the fact that they went to hell because they committed suicide. And, you know, that's not Bible. That's Catholicism. That's where that comes from. That is not Bible, though. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter number. Now, I'm not telling anyone to go commit suicide. It's one of the most selfish things a person could ever do to their family and those people that know them. Look what the Bible says. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, or knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Basically, Paul is that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I sinned, so now I can't go to heaven. No, nothing can separate you from the love of God. We give ourselves too much credit on things. Like, we really matter that much. You really don't. We really don't matter that much. We think too much of ourselves. We do better to think a lot less of ourselves than what we do. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And we see, number five, that the Bible says that we're predestined to be conformed to Christ. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. First 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine. And as we have bore the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Philippians 3:21 Who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself 1 John 3:21 Beloved if our heart condemn us not then we have confidence towards God When we look at these things God's already declared the future and our destiny for us So oh I'm going to mess up what God's doing You can't mess up what God's doing. Say, but I have a free will. I can do as I please. You can't mess up what God's doing. You can't. There's more I could say there, but we'll go a little bit further. Let's keep on going here tonight. Number two, Roman numeral number two. And actually, before we go there, I want to give you a couple thoughts. I was debating where to go. So let's just take a minute one of the things, there are some passages of Scripture that people will take and say that this is where you can lose your salvation. So I want you to go with me to Hebrews, okay? you got to take your Bibles there. I'm going to show you a few passages, and I'm going to try my best to explain these to you tonight, okay? Now, I don't have all the answers. I have a lot of questions, but I have some answers, and I've done quite a bit of studying. There's a lot of people that have a lot of different ideas when it comes to this passage, especially Hebrews chapter number 6. So you have both sides of the fence on this one. You have those that say that these are saved people that fall away and lose their salvation. And then you have people who say they were never saved in the beginning and they never had salvation. And I think both those answers are wrong on this one. Hebrews chapter 6, look down at verse number 4, and I'll explain to you why. It says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So there are those out there that look at that passage and say that these were people who were saved and then they've fallen away and you can lose your salvation. That's a common teaching from this passage. A lot of Baptist brethren would take this passage and say, well, they were never saved and that's why they have fallen away because they were never saved. And they would use the example, a great example they would use would be, on Sunday nights we're talking through the book of Acts, right? So remember how Stephen is preaching there and all the Jews are hearing? They're hearing the truth and they reject it. They heard it, but they never received it. I don't believe it's saying that here. Look at what the Bible says, and let's just see what the Bible has to say. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened. If you're enlightened, can you be unenlightened? I don't think so if you've tasted of the heavenly gift can you all of a sudden lose that heavenly gift if you are made partakers of the Holy Ghost I think you'd have to be saved to be a partaker of the Holy Ghost right I think so keep on reading and have tasted the good word of God I don't think someone can taste the good word of God if they aren't saved you might get convicted by it but that's about as far as it's going to go and if they shall fall away so what is this saying right here have you ever been around somebody that gets saved like every couple of years? And I'm not bad when I say this, but you know, oh, I got saved. I felt God on me. Everything is great. Then you don't see them in church for like two years, and then they come back one day into church and they're, I need to get saved. I just don't know if I ever really got saved. Once you're saved, you are always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. It's impossible to get resaved. saved That's all this is saying It's not too complicated It's impossible to get saved again When you've already been saved You might have backslidden But you can get back to the Lord You're already saved Try to get saved again To make yourself feel better about it It's impossible to get saved twice Now I know some of you out here are like Well pastor I've gotten saved four times Don't. That's okay it's all right. No, no. I, technically I've gotten saved twice, okay? I was like four or five years old, and I didn't remember it. When I was seven or eight, I got saved again. Say, did you get saved at four years old or did you get saved at eight years old? I don't know, but I know I'm saved, okay? I got it. I'm good to go. And the thing is, I could have been good to go before I did it again at eight years old. Very, could have been that way. And there are many people, well, I got saved as a young person. Later on, I did it again because I just didn't know if it take. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, it took. It took. But if you need to redo it for yourself, you can redo it if you need to. But it's not something you need to do all the time. Once you've been saved, it's impossible to get saved again. That's all that this is teaching us right here. Second passage I want you to see, I want you to go to, to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. Look down with me at verse number 26. And good old Hebrews has most of these in it. It's amazing how that is. Hebrews chapter number 10. This is the thing. So as the Bible contradicts, the Bible never contradicts itself. The problem is always us. Always us. Verse 26. Look what it says here. Hebrews 10 verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for sin. Now, you can read through a lot more verses there. Go to the last verse of the chapter, Verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but unto them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, when we look at this verse, now this is the thing. Nowhere does it say in verse 26 that a person gets saved. Does it? It says that you've received the knowledge of the truth. Do you see that? It talks about the knowledge of the truth right there. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for sin. Keep on reading through all these verses, but look at what it says at the end. Verse 39, but ye are not of them who draw back under perdition. Fallen away. They were never saved to begin with. They had the knowledge, but they didn't have salvation. But then there are those who have the knowledge, and look at the end of verse 39. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So just having the knowledge of the truth doesn't save you, does it? You've got to make a choice with it. Do you believe it or not believe it? Am I stating something wrong? I don't think so. I think that's the truth there. You've just got to look at how it's worded there. You cannot lose it. Another one that people like to use, is the one about bitterness in Hebrews chapter number 12. Go there. Hebrews chapter number 12. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Is this verse talking about God's grace in salvation? Or God's grace in the way we live our lives? I think this is talking about the way we live, right? How many of you have failed God's grace in your life in the way you live? Each and every one of us. That's all that that's referring to right there. And you say, that just sounds too simple. It's pretty simple. It's not that complicated right there. And the Bible's clear on these things. So in all reality, the three passages that they go to most to talk about losing salvation were the three I just gave you. And they all three can be refuted pretty easy. Now others might give you other verses. You know, we could go, a great example, I have people often that They'll come to me and they'll be like, I just don't believe in eternal security. And I'm like, I feel bad for you, honestly. Because if I had to worry every time I did something, I'd, it would be a tough life to have to worry every time. I feel bad for people that don't have eternal security. And Satan wants us to have those doubts. You're never going to be any good for God if you're only worried about your assurance of salvation. Because you're going to be worried about keeping, and that's, the, that's what the devil wants. But I think about the prodigal son. Now, I've heard the prodigal son is about salvation. It's a son. You're not a son till you get saved. Right? So a son backslides and leaves his father. His father goes nowhere. He's where he's always been. And when the son gets right, he comes home. When he comes home, is he no longer a son? He says, I don't, I don't have to be a son. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I'll be as a servant. No, no, no. You're my son. Give him the best robe. Put the ring on his finger. I think that talks about it right there. A lot of different things we could look at there. If you got more questions about that, we go deeper into that later. Number two, Roman numeral number two. We see the believer's assurance of salvation. Man, one of the greatest verses in all. And I say uh, there are a lot of great verses. There, the Bible's full of great verses. But this one is so good. Titus 1, verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God cannot lie. That's where people say, God can do anything. Not technically true. He can't lie. He can't sin. It goes against his nature. So there are some things that God cannot do. But that's a blessing right here. Because God can't lie. You can rest assured of his promises and his word. When we look at that, you know, if we were, sometime I'm going to do a whole study through the book of of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They're one of my next books that I'm going to be going to. And I love those books, but we have, it, we, has, we, have it so, we have it so mixed up when it comes to the book. It was written to believers so they could know that they're saved. So that's where someone will say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And you've got to confess your sin to get saved. This was written to believers, First John was. And we'll go into that when we get to that book, when we get there. But this is what we've got to realize tonight. The po- first John we read these verse a few minutes ago Our assurance is based upon the word of god And it's important for us to realize tonight that it's based on this book and god's book is right Man I had today and I just I saw on my ipad right here I got a very good very good man and he'd be watching me right now and I, I Should be careful with this, but i'm not going to. A very good man. That I know that He's really into the, uh, what's the thing, the Mandela effect. Anyone ever hear of that? So, yesterday he sent me a Bible quiz and asked me to take a Bible quiz. Are you ready to hear how I did on the Bible quiz? I got 10%. I got 10%. Say Okay, so let me, let me tell you this. If you were to take this Bible right in my hands right here, the answers I got were 100%. But according to this quiz, over time people have changed what the word says. And I'm like, and I sent a nice long message today. You are trusting what people say about this book instead of what the book says about itself. The book is always right. The grass withereth, the flower there falleth away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but God's word will not, not one jot or one tittle. It is true. Why would I doubt what this book says? And I get, and with, even with this guy, I get accused of, you're just blinded to the book. Yeah, duh. I'll be blinded to the book all day long. But that's not how I remember it. I'm going to trust my brain over this book. Never, the book's always right. Trust it, believe it. It's right. God doesn't lie. It's what you get for sending me a text during church, too. That's why that even came out right there. He's a good man, though, and he needs to. I just pray and get that stuff figured out in his life. But as a believer we think about our assurance. The, sh- the assurance of our salvation is very important because if you don't have it, you're never going to grow into what God wants you to be. You're going to be doubting it, doubting it, and never growing. That's why 1 John was written, so that they could know they have eternal life. I always get fearful when I start pounding on this thing. I just pray that it holds up to my pounds. We see, when we talk about believer's assurance of salvation, we see letter A, the fact that we have Christ, or I have Christ. 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life. I am confident tonight that I am saved because I have Jesus Christ. If I didn't have Jesus Christ, I would not be confident of having life. But I am assured of my salvation tonight because I have Jesus Christ. Number two, I have the witness of the Spirit. You know, there are, every once in, there are times where I doubt. How many of you have ever doubted? Let's be honest. How many of you have ever doubted your salvation? Think to yourself, am I really saved? And then I start thinking about all the times the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. If I am doubting my salvation... I go back to August 17th of 2002 when God called me to be a pastor. God's not going to call somebody who's saved, is he? No. Or how about when I'm studying a message, and there's strong conviction from the Spirit of God in my heart in the Word of God. An unsaved person's not going to have that conviction, right? There'll be some conviction maybe to get saved, but what you do with that depends on how far that goes. But the Spirit of God, I know tonight that I'm saved because I have Jesus Christ. I have the witness of the Spirit. The Bible tells us in um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. And it says, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. First John 4, 13. Don't you think that John's writing to some people that had some doubts that need to get some things fixed? I think he was. And uh and you say, when are you going to do this series in, through First John or se- and those? Whenever whichever one gets done first of the ones I'm doing right now, this is the next place I'm going. So unless the Lord comes, so Sunday mornings, where are we at on Sunday mornings? I don't even remember where we're at. First Peter, we're probably going to get through P- the Peters before we get through Acts. Acts is going to be quite a while, so probably a Sunday morning series. But anyways, um, verse chapter four, verse thirteen. Hereby we know that we dwell in Him, and He in us because he hath given us his spirit. Romans 8, 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, tonight we have assurance because we have Christ. We have the witness of the spirit. And then we love the brethren. Pastor, I don't love the brethren. I don't want to do a Christmas gift for any of them. I don't want to spend time with any of them. I want to come to the Christmas party. I want to come to church, leave, and never talk to anyone there. I just want you to know what the Bible says, okay? 1 John 3, verse number 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That is the Bible, right there. Say, so I just uh, I can't get any, that's one of those verses. First John, there's so, there's so many verses that are just like, they're so easy to get. We should love one another. The shalom know my disciples, if you love one another. Isn't that what the Bible says? You know how I know tonight that I'm saved? Because I have Jesus Christ, the witness of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I love God's people. I might get irritated or ticked off at some of God's people. But I love God's people nothing greater than being a Christian. There's nothing greater than resting securely in my salvation because of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And I would encourage you to get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on who Jesus is. And realize if he can save you, he can keep you.